Welcome to the Wolverine Digest Podcast, the best spot for objective and authentic coverage of Michigan athletics. If you want open dialogue, honest opinions, and in-depth coverage of the maize and blue, this is the podcast for you. And now, here's your host, Brandon Brown, joined as always by Chris Brandon. What is good on a Sunday night? It's Sunday, an emergency. <laughs> okay. Is that my first time singing on the pod, dude? Uh... Yeah, <laughs> because I feel like I would remember that if that happened to another time. Multifaceted. That's not something Multi- you forget easily. Multi, multifaceted over here. All right, look, man, we decided um, we decided to do an emergency podcast live stream because me and Chris got on the phone today. I'm just going to go ahead and fade the music out right now. Just, oh, I'm just going to start by saying go blue. <laughs> thank you, guy at uh, Big Ten Media Days. Yes, Four me and, and Chris... Me and Chris got on the phone today and we were just kind of BSing, just kind of talking about, you know, what we saw yesterday, some content ideas for today. Um, <laughs> great voice. Listen, man, I, I got some pipes now. I can bring the house down. I've done some karaoke <laughs> in my day that's shaking some people to the core. No, we got on the phone today and we were talking about just what we saw yesterday and, you know, kind of the mood of everything, the the, the stuff we're seeing on social media all over the place, the things that are being talked about. Um, we actually got on a, a kind of a business slash BS call this morning with a buddy of mine that we might uh, we might do some stuff with in terms of like partnership ad stuff, whatever, whatever. That's side note. But it kind of got us thinking and talking about a lot of things. I'm texting with some of my friends. I'm sure Chris is doing the same. We got on the phone and we're like, dude, let's just let's just go. Let's go live. Let's talk about it tonight. I don't really want to wait until Monday. Yeah. Let's get some of these things out in the open. Well, let's let's be I mean, let's be real transparent about it happened. So I'm writing an article on the couch. That's the and, genesis, and, and, yeah. And, and I'm and I'm typing out these numbers from Cade McNamara over the weekend, and as I'm as I'm putting them together and typing them out, I'm just getting angrier and angrier, and I'm like in a fury. I, I got to call Brandon. We got to talk about this. And as we're going back and forth, it was like, yeah, I mean, the ideas were just coming back and forth, and and it seemed like it didn't, you know, waiting another 24 hours wasn't a good idea. So yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the same stuff will still be relevant tomorrow, yeah. but we were just both kind of like, man, oh man, real like uh, it was just it was it was at the it was at the front of our brains. So we decided to jump on and talk about it tonight. So we we will have no pod tomorrow. We're doing it tonight, then we'll be back on a normal schedule on Wednesday. And yes, we get to talk to Coach Harbaugh tomorrow. We'll talk to some players. Same thing on Tuesday, a couple of assistants on Wednesday, and you know, business as usual. And then Michigan hits the road against Wisconsin place. They haven't won in a long time. There's only been five games. I mean, that, that, that number is a little skewed. Obviously Michigan doesn't play Wisconsin Mm -hmm. every year, but still, you know, you haven't the last five tries, they haven't won. I mean, that's, that's significant in itself, but haven't won in Wisconsin since 2001. And that's what they're going to try to do on Saturday. And after what we saw yesterday against Rutgers, I think it's going to be really hard. I mean, I know I tweeted out my, my tweet did not age well, but I tweet after that first drive, Michigan marches down insane. You know, what was it? 17 play 17 drive, eight plays. minutes, yeah. cap it off with a rushing touchdown, doing whatever they want. Again, you look up, you see Wisconsin getting beat down by Notre Dame. It wasn't as bad as the score looked, but they still lost by a lot of points. And I tweeted out, like, I think Michigan's ready to right some wrongs in Madison and maybe in a big way. And, oh, then the second half happened. And it's like, whoa, like, how is this offense going to travel to Camp Randall 
and and what are we going to see and how 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 can Michigan win with that formula against a team that's going to be better than Rutgers and has a better rush defense so I don't know you wrote the article you had all the wheels turning you had stat after stat after point after point yeah. where do you want to go first as we try to break down what exactly is going on with Michigan still at 4-0 now yeah. number 14 in the country but like Man, if you don't think there's concerns now, we we really we really can't help you. Right. I th- well, I think that's a good place to start. Is that at the end of the day, Michigan's four and zero, and you'd rather be four and zero than, you know, for instance, some, you know, poor slap from Columbus where your team has a loss and you've got guys leaving at halftime and yeah. tweeting about the, you know, so so it's not all, you know, things aren't too bad here, but, you know. Uh, I would say we were pretty vocal um, over the last couple of weeks about the fact that, you know, even though we were enjoying what was happening on the ground with Blake Horm and Hassan Haskins, and it was super fun, you you walked away from every single game, Western Michigan, Washington, NIU, wondering like, yeah, that was good, but what about Cade McNamara? What about the passing game? What about it? And, and each and every week as Michigan continued to dominate, you had a whole host of people within the fan base and even, you know, some within Schembechler that, that were saying, look, man, we can throw the ball if we need to, we can do it if we need to. It just hasn't been a necessity. The counter argument to that from my side has been, well, yeah, it's not a necessity now, but it probably will be in Madison. It probably will be in Happy Valley and better to find out what you have now against the games, you know, or the opponents that are winnable, games that you should win versus Mm -hmm. when you're in a tough road environment. And Saturday was the first time we saw what happens when Michigan's rushing attack isn't on its a game. And, Mm -hmm. and the result isn't pretty. It's, it's actually pretty scary. It's if you, when you think about the fact that this Michigan team that's looked so dominant on the ground, you know, that offensive line for the university of Michigan and all the praise we've been heaping on them, they kind of got pushed around by Rutgers. They got bullied. (laughs) <laughs> Throw that comment up there real quick. Appreciate that, Jay. Yeah. yeah appreciate no, it. No, this, is, this but, isn't, this doesn't need to turn into like told you not. so. It's just no, like, dude, no, it's not. We watched what we watched and, and like and there were not, concerns. You know, right. And, and I, I also, you know, as we get into this thing, I don't necessarily know how much of it I'm putting on Cade. You know, we spent a lot of time mm. talking about, you know, last year watching the running backs and you cycle around running backs and they can't ever get going because you can't ever get into a rhythm or a flow of the game. Well, how the hell is Cade McNamara going to get into a flow of game throwing five passes in an entire half of football where your football team is struggling and the gap, the point gap is closing. How do you only give your quarterback five opportunities to move the ball down the field? I know that we're supposed to believe that this coaching staff trusts in Cade's ability, and we heard a lot about that during the offseason, but when things got tight on Saturday, it didn't look like they trust him. And and that's not, yes, part of it's speculating, but another big part of it is just what you see with your eyes. I, I, I took a little heat over, over a, I guess, kind of a loose comment. I wasn't trying to say it to take a big shot at Cade or say that he's not good or that the coaches don't really like him, but I, right. I just think like, I, it seems pretty obvious that they don't think he can do a lot. If you do, when you're up by 10 against Rutgers and then seven, you don't go into a shell and, and completely take the ball out of your quarterback's hands, who, by the way, Jim Harbaugh said his best talent was making everyone around him better. Right. If that's really what you think, you got a really funny way of showing it. Yeah. I, I mean, that's not, that's not, that's not anything I'm saying. That's not any critique of Cade's ability. That's not any critique of what he was as a recruit or what he's done on the field so far. 
that's strictly an observation of what we are seeing on Saturdays, yeah. asking him to throw the ball just five times in the entire second half of a one possession game. Cade McNamara was one for five for seven yards in an entire half seven of football yards. in 2021 at home against Rutgers when you're only up by a score. And completed that is zero. That's insanity. Zero completions in the fourth in the quarter. Fourth. Zero in a one-score game against. And and we talked about this on the phone earlier. I don't think people fully appreciate. Like from the outside looking in, you might have been watching it on TV, thinking, "Okay, Michigan's got this thing" or whatever. If you're in the stadium, if you're in the press box, like the energy in that stadium was completely gone. And I I said this to you earlier, it felt like you were almost watching a show where like it's getting towards the suspenseful part of the show, and everybody's just quiet and sitting back and watching, trying to wait, you mm -hmm. know, to see how it's going to play out. Um, and and Michigan was lucky to get the win, but I think. You know, people are going to come back and say, well, a W is a W. Yes. But when you look at the schedule and you take into account that this is this was Michigan's easiest game of the entire Big Ten schedule, the rest of this looks pretty damn scary. The only argument someone could make is Northwestern and cool. Uh, like, all right. Okay. So you got we've, one other one that might be might be easier. Northwestern. But we've scrappy. seen what Northwestern does. Yeah, they to always Michigan. they yeah. always play Michigan tough. They're not very good this year. They've lost a ton of production. Fine, cool. So maybe Michigan beats them twenty four to thirteen. Great. I'm just saying, like what we saw is alarming. There are there are there are issues there because yeah. before, you know, we 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 didn't want to come off the top rope too much because when Michigan wins by fifty three and twenty one and thirty three, it's like all right, hard right. to argue. I would have liked to see him throw it a little more. I'm still curious about what they can do there. Who's the go-to receiver? How good is Cade really at running an offense and airing it out? We're not sure, but damn, dude. They're getting 350 yards a game. They're right. averaging eight yards a pop. Cool. 3-0, and rolling, top 20. Let's keep it moving. Last week, yesterday, yeah, yesterday 2.9 yards per carry. That, that's that's not getting it done on any level, running the ball. And then when you try to flip a switch and throw it, it wasn't there. And because of that, now you... Now, now you wonder if there even is a switch. Like at some point, right. you're going to try to flip it, and it might not even be there. Like and, there, and there might not be anything to flip, and that's why I think you could have tried to work some of these kinks out through the first three weeks before right. you got to figure it out in Camp Randall. Well, and that's exactly why you know the, you could be sitting back saying you could be one of the people saying, well, you know, you don't see what Cade McNamara is doing in practice, and he's hitting these throws and he's hitting that. Guess what? It doesn't matter. I don't care how good Cade McNamara is in practice. Joel Milton was apparently good enough in practice to win the starting job at the University of Michigan. He's now lost two starting jobs, one at Michigan and now one at Tennessee. So it, what you do in practice only goes so far. And that was why, you know, myself, I know that you were on it. We continued to hammer that you, you just got to get the live reps in game. You got to see what you can do. And now instead of taking that approach against NIU and being able to come back to the table and work on it against Rutgers. Now you found out that, Oh boy, I, I think we might have a bit of an issue or we've at least got to get a hell of a lot better here. And we don't get a chance to, to go back at this thing until we're on the road in Wisconsin. And that's, that's not a place you want to be where you're trying to figure things out. Even I know Wisconsin didn't look all that great against Notre Dame. I know they lost against Penn State, but they still got big boys up front on the defensive side of the ball. And that Michigan offensive line isn't going to shove them around all afternoon. And once again, Kate is going to have to move the ball with, with his arm. And you look at this game, one for five for seven yards, man. If we see a stat line like that in, in Madison, Michigan's walking out with a double-digit loss easily. easily. Or... Or, and 
I, I don't know why I don't know why it went away or what happened to it. How just I mean, maybe mix the running game up a little bit. You and I yeah. talked about this, the lack of jet sweeps, end arounds, ends arounds, and reverses that, that worked very well through three weeks. I mean, they didn't do it a lot, but every time AJ Henning got the ball, every time Roman Wilson got the ball, it was a pretty good play. It was a right. pretty decent game. You know, we're talking 20, 25, 28 yard runs on or you know, pat whatever, pop passes pop passes or handoffs depending on the play design but zero like yeah. literally zero times it happened yesterday if you go to you know pro football focus has all the directional runs broken down none not one from either side of the field on a jet sweep reverse or end around in very very few right. true outside runs by the running backs technically speaking Blake Corum ran past ran outside of the guards 13 of his of his 21 carries but they weren't they weren't toss sweeps getting out on the edge. They were off tackles, you know, still getting up in the wash. And, and I mean, we saw what it looked like. He had what 68 yards rushing, I think, right, right on the day yeah. and 2.6 yards per carry or something. It was not good. And Hassan Haskins was even more up the middle. He, he, yeah. he had even, and that's, that's okay. That's a little bit more where he lives. You don't want, he's not the kind of guy you want bouncing or trying to get the edge all the time, but you can mix it up a little bit better and stop beating your head. Like, this is kind of the way I think of it. Don Brown, as good as he was at Michigan for several years, is kind of like a he's like a hated guy. Like people are like, he sucked. It was time for him to go. So glad he's gone. Can't believe he got another job. Like you'll hear Michigan fans say all that stuff about him. Why? Because right. he refused to adapt and adjust and change. He did the same thing over and over and over and over again, expecting a different outcome, and it never happened. That's what we saw with the running game yesterday. Like they still ran it quite a few times. Like two to one or more run to pass, right? but it wasn't working. At some point, you got to pull out of that and go somewhere else and try something different, and it never happened. Luckily, Rutgers didn't score all right. day, I mean, and, they, th and you get a seven-point win. That's it. And, 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 and maybe you maybe you can list it off because you said it to me when we were talking earlier, but in terms of you know, statistically speaking, I believe Rutgers – outdid Michigan in every single category. The only category where Rutgers fell short was in the scoring column, right? More passing yeah. yards, more rushing yards, more third down conversions. I mean, if you look at it, just look at the stats throughout the entire game, Rutgers played a better football game than Michigan. Michigan just kind of, they lucked out and Rutgers ran out of time. If you were at that game, you were inside of that stadium. You could tell that Michigan was dead in the water. There, there was no yeah. energy. They, they weren't moving the ball, and and Rutgers just simply ran out of time. And and you're right. Where was AJ Henning? Where was Roman Wilson? You've got all of this elite speed in mm. your arsenal. Now, now here's here's what I want to say. Real real quick, this is just a small detail I want to throw out since you're mentioning those specific yeah. guys, and I want people who are listening to hear this these numbers because they're crazy. I, I don't want this to be. I don't want this to be taken as disparaging the other guys who got a lot of snaps because I don't have anything against Luke Schoonmaker, Eric All, Joel Honigford. They've been instrumental to what Michigan has done on the ground right. so far. Jim Harbaugh has praised his tight ends and what they do, but these numbers are alarming to me. Luke Schoonmaker, Michigan played, Michigan had 55 offensive snaps in the game. Okay, 55 offensive snaps. Luke Schoonmaker played 44. Eric All played 33. And Joel Honigford played 22. That's a little weird in itself. We've heard Jim Harbaugh say he thinks Eric All can be the best tight end to ever play at Michigan. He got 11 less snaps than Luke Schoonmaker. Well, it's a little weird, but whatever. Maybe the scheme, the plays, whatever you were calling, Schoonie's a little bit more fit for those. Cool. Trot him out there. 
44 for Schoonmaker, 33 for Eric All, 22 for Joel Honigford. AJ Henning played seven snaps. Roman Wilson played five snaps. Donovan Edwards played one snap, and he was split out at wide receiver on that yep. play and didn't do a thing. You are recruiting dynamic, athletic, fast, versatile players, and they're watching from the sidelines. Right. I, I I don't I don't understand that approach. Mikey Sainer still played maybe 21 snaps. I'm going off memory here. And then Cornelius Johnson and Dalen Baldwin were the two receivers on the field the most. The bigger body guys, the blocking down the field guys, the getting the running game going guys. Yeah. I just don't understand the approach when you've got guys over there who have a distinct advantage against a team like Rutgers and they're they're not used. It's just right. a really, really strange, it's a really strange approach. Well, and, and that's what I was going to say. And uh, full disclosure, and I, I said this in the article that I wrote earlier, obviously guys like you and I are not paid millions of dollars to coach the game of football for a reason. But as I'm sitting and I'm watching this thing from afar and I'm, and, and I'm watching it play out and I'm looking at Blake Corm and Hassan Haskins continue to struggle, you know, and, and the offensive line continue to struggle to get anything going. And I'm looking at the scoreboard and I'm seeing 20 to three become 20 to 10. And I'm seeing that become 20 to 13. And we're running the ball more and it's not working at some point. You just think like, okay, if Cade McNamara is the guy we've been told he is, you put the ball in the hands of your point guard. You let him kind of, you know, run the offense. You say, Cade, go out and get us some points or get, go out and get us some yards, move the ball down the field. Clearly we, we need you to be that guy. And they didn't even turn to him. Like that's the thing that, that bothers me. They didn't even ask it of him. Five attempts, like you're not even asking him to be that guy. So, yes, this is not like an indictment on Cade McNamara. Like if, if he's only being asked to throw the ball five times and that's all he's going to be able to do, I'm just blown away. It, it either shows, and I think you said this earlier, it either shows a complete lack of confidence in McNamara's ability to move the ball with his arm or just bad play calling, yeah. not understanding the situation. Like it, I, I don't know how else to look at it. Yeah. Um it's it's strange. <clears throat> I don't know. It's strange. I, I I hate this comment too, and I'm gonna call it out because I hate it. I think it's stupid as hell. Didn't open up the playbook, bro. You almost lost to Rutgers. Like, th yeah, there's no saving plays. There's right. there's no saving plays. You got to go out and win games. I know they got the one the win. It wasn't by very much. And, and like, I just can't comprehend how people think again. Suddenly, there's just gonna be a switch that's flipped, and now. It's just everything right. comes. If, if there's a switch to flip, you flip the switch when Rutgers has a chance to take the lead. You flip the switch when Rutgers is, you know, driving the ball and your offense is dead in the water and you've got to come up with some offense because your defense is winded. They're tired. And uh, dude, third down conversions in the second half, Michigan had zero, none, zero third down conversions. So don't tell me there's something left in the tank. They were leaving. The offense was leaving the defense out to dry. Mm -hmm. It was three and outs all afternoon long, at least in the second half. I got news for people who think that you don't go out and put a stat line up like that. One for five for seven yards, convert, no convert, right. no first downs in the Dude. second half and get your brand of football ran down your throat at home by no. Rutgers just to keep a couple pages covered up in the back of the playbook. Right. That ain't, this, that ain't this how football idea that there's, there's some sort of magical playbook that, that Harbaugh's saving. And, and let me, let's just be clear about this. If he was saving it for the bigger games, we would have seen it years one through year six. We would have seen something come out of that playbook. I want to throw this up because I think you said this earlier, Chris, when we were getting ready. You said if you said if Rutgers had they like ran six out of time. more minutes, yeah. four more minutes, 
whatever it was. You and I could feel it in the stadium. If there was more time on the clock, Rutgers had all the momentum. They were gashing Michigan left and right. They were ripping off chunk plays. Michigan looked wind, looked winded, and all of the momentum was with Rutgers at the end of that football game. I think Michigan got what a timely turnover there. There was a fumble or something mm-hmm. like that, and 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 Michigan escaped. You know, and and yes, they got the win, and it was a W. And Michigan's four zero, and it's onward. But for guys like us who write about sports and think about sports for a living. This is the type of stuff you think about is yes, it worked this week, but is it going to work next week? And we've been harping on Madison for weeks now. And now you're going there in the exact same scenario that, that I feared Michigan would be going there. Well, let's, uh, let's take a step back. We'll finish up more on some of these topics here, but let's talk about some of the stuff we just got. Uh, I said, we, I some of the things I got completely wrong. Yeah. <laughs> wrong. I don't remember which ones you called me stupid or smart on, but I, I don't think there were a I'll, lot. I'll of remember stupid... them when you reel them off. Yeah. I don't think there were a lot of stupid calls, but we were both obviously pretty off on the score prediction. The the spread was twenty and a half. Michigan only won by seven. I said thirty eight seventeen. You or I'm sorry, you said thirty eight seventeen. I said forty two fourteen. Obviously, the scores for for Rutgers were somewhat close for the two of us, but Michigan's offense just couldn't move the ball and couldn't get any points on the board after the after the first half. They didn't score. Did not outscore it in the second half for the first time in a long time as well. And um, yeah, just uh, just completely went in a shell during the second half. And the stats kind of the stats kind of bear that out. I mean, there's yeah. no other way to slice it. I thought Blake Corum would score multiple touchdowns. I think you said I was smart on that. He didn't get in the end zone at all. Hassan Haskins scored twice. Yeah, but Corum was kept in check for the first time all year, and it was it was it was kind of a it was a rough day for him. It, it was, but I mean, it, I think given the circumstances for him to even hammer out sixty eight yards, I mean, you could tell. I mean, watch, go back and watch the game. He was running hard. There just wasn't anything there. He was close to breaking it free a couple times, and you know, if he breaks one of those, now all of a sudden he's back up at a buck twenty five, and things kind of look normal ish for him. But yeah, it was it was just weird to see after such a dominant stretch, <clears throat> excuse me, of football on the ground. You didn't expect to see that against Rutgers. I expected that to be maybe be the result against Wisconsin where you're only getting two point, you know what? I think it was literally two yards per play. They averaged mm-hmm. on Saturday, expected that against Wisconsin. Certainly didn't expect that against Rutgers. I also thought that Aiden Hutchinson would get at least two sacks. He got one. Uh, you know, when we talked to Richie last week, he just talked about how the tackles were not very good and that Aiden Hutchinson was going to be able to move around and come from different angles and come from different levels. And he had a pretty good day. He got in the backfield quite a few times. I know we both pointed out he put their biggest lineman on skates and almost dumped him right in the lap of Noah Vedral, but he he only got one. So, I mean, like, that's a good day. He's up to five and a half sacks on the, on the season. I believe that's tied for the lead in the country. He's having a phenomenal year. Only yeah. got to the quarterback once uh, yesterday. Oh, man. I think you might have called me dumb on this one, which Let's hear kudos it. to you. Cade McNamara will, th- will throw for more than 200 yards. Uh, yeah, I called you dumb on that one. <laughs> and uh, might, be the that dumbest, was... might be the dumbest thing I ever said. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we should. I don't think we'll even be approaching that moving forward in the over-unders. I mean, hell, if Cade can get to, uh, you know, 150 and I don't know. I, I don't know what to expect. I, I don't know what is uh, – what would be an acceptable stat line for, for the passing game at this point? I'm just not sure. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think you said, I think you said something else too. You said something else about 
not only the 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 passing yards themselves, but the distribution and the receptions and stuff like that, right? Like Michigan's right. receivers. Well, the, Michigan has has all season long through four, through a third of the season, guys. Think of this: the first third, in. the first third of the season, Michigan has not had a wide receiver make more than three receptions in a single game. Like that's mind blowing. Do you understand? Like for there to be a scenario where Michigan has to lean heavily on the passing game, you're going to have to go out and ask your one of your wide receivers to make seven, eight, ten receptions in a game to help you win it when they when they have they've barely been targeted. Like I think it's it's the same thing, man. Like we we talked about during the offseason, the whole thing was the running backs. Like we've got so much talent, but they need to get in a rhythm. You got to use them the right way. The quarterbacks and the wide receivers are the same thing. Like if I'm a wide receiver on this team, I'm thinking like, yeah, I want to get down a block for my guys, but God damn, like if it isn't working, get me the ball, get the ball yeah. in my hands, get me the ball in some space and let me try to do something. And the fact that they didn't do that on Saturday when it was clear something needed to change is alarming at the least. I also said that Michigan would score a special teams or defensive touchdown again. I when I when I threw that out there I said this is probably dumb, but they've been yeah. close. They had been close through 3 games. You had the Blake Corum long kickoff return, you had a couple nice punt returns by Ronnie Bell when he got hurt unfortunately and then AJ Henning and then the uh the pick that was almost taken back by Javon Green. Never really got that close to that on on Saturday. But uh yeah, I don't know. I just wanted to go out on a limb a little bit and see if Michigan could get one. They did not. Call me dumb. All right. And then the last one, everybody, everybody and their brother. Um, I don't know if they picked them to cover because 20 and a half is a big spread, but certainly yeah. nobody thought it would be seven. I mean, I, I don't know anybody across the country, you know, all the experts on TV, all the people in the market, anybody you talk to didn't see it being a one score win for Michigan. Right. So I think I don't remember if you agreed with me on the cover of the spread, but I know I we agree. I agree that they would cover cause I had it at 38, 17. Yeah. yeah, so 21. Thought, yeah 21 right. points. So I was just over. So there you go. I mean, not a strong, Oh, I mean, that's a, that's an O for five for me. Yeah. But again, like the game just didn't go how I thought it would go. I mean, when you looked at what Rutgers had done, who they had played, the kind of struggles that they had, where some of their weaknesses were, it seemed like a pretty good matchup against Michigan. I did think that they'd be a little salty on defense, take on their 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 personality of their head coach but the way that Michigan kept that running or the way that Rutgers kept Michigan's running game in check I didn't I did not see that coming I here's just, what I, I will say and I don't think I'm going out on a limb and saying this I'd have to look up the numbers but I would venture to say that that was the worst half of football from the Michigan passing game out of a starting quarterback in in years I can't imagine another a, a starting quarterback who played every single snap in every series going one for five for seven yards and a half of football maybe Devin Gardner against Michigan State when when state was in his heyday and yeah, when he was knocking the shit a, out of the Wolverines when he was on a broken foot and couldn't hardly move right, I think Michigan <laughs> finished a game with like minus 12 yards total or something like that yeah and I wanted to throw this out there real quick too before we do a, a TFG just because I know that's become a favorite segment for people out there we're they gonna do it. that real quick yeah but my guy uh former colleague Zach Shaw who's at 24 7 um I saw him tweet this out the, uh, earlier today. Michigan Michigan as a team has only thrown more passes than Army, Navy, and Air Force. Right. Right. Like, what, what in what that? world is that acceptable? You're trying to compete with Clemson, Ohio. Well, okay, maybe still Ohio no, State, but Clemson. You know, you're trying to compete with some of these big boys. How the hell can you do – like, yes, it's okay if you want to say, like, they didn't have to do it as much because of the success in the ground. But you can't do it that little either. Like, no. that's not a recipe for success. It's not. 
You're not, not. going to win. You're going to win football games against the teams that you can bully just by sheer talent and size. But the teams that are coached well, the teams that are elite, they're going to truck you. Or even a, even even some some just you know respectable teams with a little be- with Big Ten beef. I mean, like what would happen against Penn State if Michigan had the same performance against Penn State? You know that they had against Rutgers. What's the result? Loss. Yeah, it's against a Michigan L. State. Loss. It's an L. No, there's, Ohio there's no State, doubt. Even Ohio State loss. You know, so. Yeah, I mean, I knew it was pretty bad. Obviously, I just hadn't. I just hadn't looked at that specific that specific stat. It, but they've they've literally only thrown more passes than Army, Navy, and Air Force. They all yeah. are service academies who run the triple option. Like that's insane, right? And, that's and, your quarterback. And, that who whose best talent is making everyone around him better. And the craziest part about it is a, went back and looked at McNamara's numbers through games one through four and attempts and completions are pretty much on par. He was nine for 16 on Saturday and that he's pretty much been in that area for the first yeah. four weeks, you know? So there was no difference in terms of his production. The only difference was there was no rushing game to complement it. And so now without the rushing game, people got a full, I guess, a pretty clear understanding of what they have with the passing game. And it doesn't look good when you don't have guys out there just, you know, running wild all over a defense. Like it's, it's, it's not good enough. No, it's, it's not. And it's a, it's really, it's really kind of amazing that they, that they came out of there with a win. I mean, you know, they're so much more talented than Rutgers. I mean, more speed, you know, that one, uh, that one crossing pattern that did go to Roman Wilson, where the guy had to do the the horse collar to kind of drag him out of bounds real quick. I yep. mean, you could see you could see the disparity in speed, right. and it just it just wasn't used all day long. It wasn't. That's an interesting sound there from the microphone. <laughs> Apologize for that to all the fans out there. That was so loud in my headset. We've talked about this before too, though. I don't think it's as loud for everybody else as it is for me. Anyway, all right, Maybe. you ready for it? What are, what are we going to? This oh, guy. All right. So he makes he's making his return. This fucking guy. He's making his triumphant return to TFG and the Wolverine Digest. Chris, who do you got? Okay, I've got Scott Frost again, but I want to oh, put out Scotty. I want to put out this disclosure that I was a little bit out of my element when I was watching the end of the Michigan State Nebraska game, or at least the end of regulation. So I'm not sure if I was looking at everything uh, with a clear mindset, if you will, but it looked to me like Scott Frost had about, I don't know, 25 to 30 seconds left towards the end of that game. He had two timeouts left. He certainly could have given Martinez an opportunity to at least move the ball downfield. The game was tied. All they needed was a field goal to win it. Didn't even give his kicker, didn't even give his kicker a, a chance. And, you know, obviously walks out of East Lansing with a loss. And I mean, those are the things that's why Scott Frost is not a good coach. And that's probably why he's going to get fired because you just, you got to give your team a chance to win, especially when you're struggling as much as they are. And again, if, if that wasn't the scenario towards the end of the game, somebody shoot me a message, let me know. But that was how I saw it through my, uh, my spectacles. Scott Frost, this fucking guy again, TFG. he's back. He's been here. He's been he's a here. regular. He's a, he's a regular. He's almost here as much as Blake Corum. Yeah. Almost. Mine is this fucking guy, Justin Tucker, dude, sixty-six yarder to beat the Lions when he shouldn't have even had a shot at it. I mean, <laughs> I like Justin Tucker. He's an amazing kicker. He's the most accurate kicker in the history of the NFL. Booms a sixty-six yarder, and on and honestly, if we're being if we're being completely open with ourselves, we don't 
really want the Lions to win games. They're not going to the playoffs. They're not winning anything. So lose every game and get the best draft pick you can. Like, I'm fine with the outcome. It's just like, God, man. That's why, how... hell, why are we talking about the Lions? Don't you have hey, enough listen, misery in your life listen, without adding I'm look, that? I'm looking for a TFG. This f***ing guy. It's Justin Tucker. Or it's the refs in that game that did not call the delay of game that should have happened and given the Lions a win. But again, it's like, you know, you don't really want the Lions to win because they're not going to playoffs. They're not winning the NFC North. They're not doing anything of any substance. So... Well, they're also Tank. not going to draft well, are they? Tanking or will well, they? Who knows? There, there's the I'm I've got some faith. I've got some faith in the new regime, but we'll see. Okay. But there you go. TFG made its way on a Sunday. Brandon has faith in the new Lions regime. Let it be known. I mean, compared to the last <laughs> one, it, they've done all right. They've made some moves that I don't hate. A dash it's, of faith. I mean, an influx of faith. Take it with a grain of salt. Faith in the Lions <laughs> is that they're just not going to be like the worst team in the NFL. Like they What's might their record be right year. now. They're over. Oh, okay. Yeah, they oh, might be. This, yeah, zero and three. They might be the worst team in the NFL this year. But they're you know they're in a rebuild. First year coach Dan Campbell's biting kneecaps and doing whatever the hell he's doing, and they they suck. They have the worst roster maybe in yeah. the league. They're terrible. But you know they're fighting hard, and that's like a good sign of a new coaching staff getting the most out of his players. The real question is. By the time it's all said and done, is there a Jared Goff um, statue somewhere in Detroit? <laughs> no. no Jared, <laughs> Jared Goff blows. I mean, he was good in L.A. because L.A. was really good. Yeah. That's, you know, and now Stafford's there and he looks he looks incredible. I yeah. think they might be. I think they're beating Tampa Bay right now. Actually, they were when I came down. Anyway, all right. Um, we'll start wrapping up a little bit, a little shorter episode here on a Sunday. No guest, obviously not exactly the same structure that we normally go with, but we wanted to get on here and talk about some of these things. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, dude, as we move forward, you and I will be in Madison next weekend. I'm super excited about it. I'm pumped to see camp Randall go, you know, the jump around stuff, the atmosphere, Wisconsin's not unbeatable. You know, this isn't, this isn't the team that beat Michigan by 38 last year. They seem to have some questions on offense, they don't have that bell cow running back they normally do. Graham Mertz has not lived up to his potential, and they're not super explosive. So, like, I, I don't, I don't expect Michigan to go in there and get blown out or lose by damn near forty like we saw last year. It doesn't feel like that. Yeah. But all these things that we've talked about, all these concerns, are like, you know, how's Michigan going to fare on the road for the first time in that kind of environment? It's going to be hopping. It's going to be energetic, and Wisconsin's at least as good as Rutgers. I mean, I I don't think anybody here would say Rutgers is better than Wisconsin, but you know, Wisconsin does have the home loss to Penn state. They got drilled by Notre Dame. Right. And they're not going to try to add Michigan to that list. Guarantee you that. Well, that's true. There's no doubt about it. And and, and here's the other thing to consider. And it's crazy to think about this. McNamara has never played in, in an opposing stadium with fans in the house. Yeah. He, he, so he, he has, and, and the one, the environment that you're going to have that introduction Camp is going to be Camp Randall. Right. So again, you're just, you're, you're asking Cade McNamara, a guy who you haven't had, who you haven't asked to do much. He, you're going to have to ask him to do a whole hell of a lot in a really, really tough environment. And it's going to be interesting to see how it turns out. I, I'm, I'm trying to keep faith that they can do it, but based on what you've seen, when you give it the eye test, there's just there's there's a lot there to um, to at least at the very least ask questions about. And I would assume, like I said in the article, I think um, the coaching staff and even the players are going to be answering a lot of questions about that this week heading into Madison. Because as a side note, 
that post-game press conference. I don't want to get into that too much, but some of the things we heard coming out of the post-game press conference that, you know, it, it was almost like celebrating a 60 to nothing victory. Uh, you know, I, I, that's not the type of thing you want to hear coming out of, uh, of your locker room after a game like that. So let's hope that, you know, they, they take that personally and, and they're offended by the way they performed on Saturday. Want to throw this question up there and do my best to answer it. How do we know Wisconsin is better? I mean, I got a pretty long list here. Uh, they've, recru- yeah. they've, recru- they've recruited better. They have a more proven, successful system. They have a more experienced, tenured head coach. They have way more continuity. Jim Leonard is a phenomenal defensive coordinator. They played to take away the strengths of the other team, which in Michigan's case is going to be the run, and they're outfitted for it. They're at home. Uh they have confidence. Michigan hasn't won there in 20 years. I, I mean, I, some you know, big I mean, boys. I mean, flat out, just big dudes. Yeah. I, I mean, I could, there's a lot. That's just off the top of my head. That's without looking anything up or doing any research or looking at the numbers. Or, I mean, like, come on, dude. It's Wisconsin and Rutgers. Give me a break. Rutgers right. isn't better than anybody in the Big Ten. Right. Like, maybe Northwestern this year. Maybe they don't have Illinois. much talent. Maybe, maybe Illinois this year. Yeah. They don't have much talent. They're in a second year with Greg Schiano being back there. They're still not. They're still not recruiting on a level that they can be. That they need to be to be really competitive. I mean, like, come on, man. How do you know Rutgers is better than or Wisconsin is better? Because they are. They they are. I know they have two <laughs> losses right now, but come on. And it's yeah. and it's at Wisconsin's place. And like you just said, Cade McNamara is going to get his first dose of a road game there in Camp there. Randall. Um, Best of luck. That's that's not ideal. That's not ideal, especially with how it's looked. Now, it would be different if he had been throwing it all over the yard and had all this timing worked out with his guys and still had Ronnie Bell. And, I mean, a lot of things that would be right. a much, much better scenario, but it, that's that's not what the case is. So, And and that was, that was the catalyst for why it became <clears throat> so crucial that Michigan did more with the passing game, was the loss to Ronnie Bell week one. And I think that was when, you know, people started looking around saying, okay, now that he's going, because you could see what Ronnie Bell was going to be, even though we only got a taste of it in the first half against mm-hmm. Western Michigan, you could see that he was, this was going to be his, what, what do you call it? Bag season, I guess they call it, right? Like yeah. he was going to be put on the map this year. And when he went down, you could tell that just none of the other guys had done it before. And now McNamara is going to be in camp Randall with a group of receivers who all average two point something catches per game two catches a little bit more let me ask you this question this is something i've been thinking about since i kind of talked about that that snap number um earlier today i was talking to you about it i was talking to some other people about it in that was in that rutgers game when do you think you could finally conclude like for sure like okay the running game's not working like at what do you remember? Do you remember what point of the game you might you might have been able to say with confidence, like pack that in? We we got to go somewhere yeah. else. I got I got an I, I'm not super good at recall with stuff like that. I'd have to go back and look. Yeah. But obviously, at the end of the game, you're sitting there on 2.9 yards per carry. The first drive of the game was amazing. You're up 20 to nothing at halftime. Right. So do, do you remember? I mean, just I, thinking I, back, you have a. It was I I don't know if it was so Michigan came out. Who got the ball to start the the second half? Was it Rutgers? Rutgers did, yeah. They Rutgers got the ball. Had that first right. drive. So I think it was. To me, it was when Rutgers got within a score, so and Michigan twenty to ten. Right, and Michigan continued to run the ball, and they were still having to punt and give the ball back. Like to me, it was like okay, like it's not working, but. There's also a concern, like, why aren't they going away from it? Like, is this part of the plan? Is this, I, I like, I don't know what it is. I don't know what I'm looking at. 
Um, and I feel like everybody was like that. Like the end of the game, the last, I don't know, eight minutes of that football game where you think that the house would be rocking and it's like a neck and neck sort of thing. Like everybody was just quiet and stunned and not really sure what to think of what they were seeing. So I, I got a couple different answers, but everybody seemed to be pretty consistent with somewhere early in the third quarter is, is when the running game just like wasn't effective yeah. enough. And Rutgers is starting to make some moves and, you know, you start thinking like, damn, like, let's let's do something different. Let's try something a little different. So the reason why I asked that and and why re- referring back to that snap count number, like, what do you think is is more what, what, what would be more acceptable? Like how many plays should an A.J. Henning be playing? Should a Roman Wilson be playing? How often do you want to see? a freshman Donovan Edwards in the game. I mean, if you're going to put him in and put him out at wide receiver, you're not even taking a snap away from Blake Corum or Hassan Haskins right. at that point. Like, right. I mean, you, you could find ways to use a dynamic athlete like Donovan Edwards, even if he is a freshman. I, yeah. I just wonder, because seven for, for Henning, five for Wilson, and one for Edwards ain't it. That's not it. Well, it, it's it's snaps, but it's also touches. And I think in a, in a game like that against Rutgers, of course you want to see that number go up. I don't know, you know, combined, how many times did they run the ball? I know there was 55 snaps. I know Coram had, what, 22 carries. I think Haskins had 14 or 15. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, 16, right? 55 minus 16. Kate had 16. That, yeah, that's probably about right. Cade had right. a few runs to himself. I mean, so yeah, that's yeah. that sounds about right. Somewhere in that ballpark, so, so 40 so, times-ish. Okay, so so what's the difference? 40, 40 rushing time, 40 rushing plays? Yeah, 40 carries. Yeah, give yeah. or take a couple. See, for, when, when, you're, when you're running the ball 40 times and the other dropbacks, you know, there's only 16 other opportunities for those guys, for guys like Henning and Roman Wilson. It just doesn't make any sense when you're dead in the water and you need some offense. You've got guys on the sideline that are built to produce that. That's what they are. They're instant offense. Turn around, put the ball in their hands, let them work. Donovan Edwards is that guy. AJ Henning is that guy. Roman Wilson is that guy. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I would venture to say that every time AJ Henning touches the ball, he averages over 20 yards per touch. He just, he, he finds a way to get it to, to get in the open field and make things happen. So yeah, it's, it's, especially when it's clear it's not working and the other team is closing the gap on the scoreboard, you've got to show that you're willing to adjust and you've got something else in the tank. And if you can flip the switch, that's when you do it. And for some reason, Michigan didn't. And that's why it's concerning. They they were backed up against the wall where they had to move the ball to give their defense a break and they couldn't do it against Rutgers. Yeah. They couldn't 30, do it. 38 rushes, by the way. So, there you go. Yeah, so 38 rushes in the game, 16, um, passes for Cade and then I guess maybe the kneel down probably right yeah so yeah there's your 55 snaps so yeah um just a just a weird and and again like I'm not trying to take away anything I think I think Eric Hall and, and Luke Schoonmaker are really good tight ends and you yeah I'd like to see them used a little bit more both of them can run both of them are athletic at the tight end spot Joel Honigford that's your power guy you get him in there when you need a jumbo set when you need to do something with a you know a trap or a pull or a whatever I mean what lots of different ways to use a guy like that who's who's done pretty well, but you know, for, for those three to play those numbers of snaps and then dynamic electric speedy guys like Henning Wilson and Edwards to just be standing over there. Right. You know, Donovan Edwards played one more snap than me and you like, what the hell is that? Right. All right. So let me, let me ask you a question. You're Paul Christ. You're up there in your office in Madison. What's the game plan against Michigan? Certainly drinking a bloody Mary, like drinking a bloody Mary. What's the game plan against Michigan? What are you trying to do? 
I mean, if I'm Wisconsin, I'm doing the same thing that Rutgers did with bigger, better players. Like I'm stacking identical. the box with, with all my big guys. I'm going to force Cade McNamara to throw the ball. And if you're a Michigan fan, how does that scenario make you feel? And if you find yourself feeling a little bit concerned about it, then that's why we've been screaming for the last three weeks or four weeks now. You got to throw the damn ball. Yeah, I'm just, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about it. I was concerned about it after three and zero, but hard to, hard to really. And I'm still not pounding the table. They're four and zero, man. They're four and zero. They're number fourteen in the country. They're already but, doing better than I thought they would be. But we've seen this movie before. We've seen it. We've seen it, and we've seen how it ends. And it always starts off this way, where yeah. you 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 fight it. Like, eh, I've been here before. I'm not going to buy in. And then, like me, you start to buy in, and you start to think it's legit. And then something like Rutgers happens. And I just want to say, like, another thing I noticed about McNamara is. He doesn't look all that confident when he's outside of the pocket. Like when he gets outside of the pocket and he's got to try to make something happen with his legs, especially once he gets beyond the line of scrimmage, it just looks awkward. It looks like he's not what he, that's not his game. Right. It looks like he's yeah. running scared out there. And I and I've seen him do that a couple of times. And I think a couple of times he's taken some pretty big hits. So just top to bottom, uh, it's a concern. And then when you couple that with the fact that you've got Oh, by the way, JJ McCarthy standing on the sideline waiting for his opportunity. Then it becomes a much bigger question of like, if if all we're going to do is ask Cade McNamara to turn around and give the ball to a <laughs> running back, we can we can have JJ McCarthy do that and at least get him some experience on the field. So that's the thing. All right, so you know, Cade McNamara is averaging I don't know, whatever it is, fourteen to sixteen. It's 13, 13 attempts, eight completions. Okay. So eight completions, thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> that's like a quarter of football for everybody 13 attempts, in the country. Yeah. That's like a quarter of football. All right. Anyway. Yeah. So you're asking him to only throw the ball 13 times a game. I've seen enough from JJ to trust him to do that. That's, that's what my question was going to be. If you put JJ in then it, as a true freshman, as a guy with a little bit more of a gunslinger, does that automatically make you say like, we're going to double it. We're going to throw it 25 times a game with him. Like, I just don't know. I don't think the are re- I don't think the approach or the mentality really changes that much. And like you just said, like all it's going to be is JJ turning around and handing. Well, here's the thing though. But maybe those 13 passes are a little more dynamic. I was going to say, I don't think it changes initially. I think if you start to see something different out of those 13 attempts, then 13 become 20, 20 becomes 25. And before you know it, you've now got a balanced offensive attack where you can throw the ball if you need to, and you can run the ball if you need to. Right now, they don't have that. They've got an offense where their goal is to run the ball. And if they can't run the ball, they're going to keep trying to run the ball and they're going to continue to do that until the clock hits zero. And I guess we'll we'll see what the score looks like at that point. But that is a really scary for, formula against teams like Wisconsin, Michigan State, Penn State, and Ohio State. Those are four games you will not win playing that brand of football. You're just not going to do it. And, and, and if you can't do it against Rutgers, you're not going to do it against those guys. Let's get out of here on this one because we're talking about, you know, okay, if JJ's in, does it look different? Next week, will it look different with Cade? What 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 are you going to ask Cade to do? What can he do? Is yeah. he confident? Do you have confidence in him? Like, I feel like through four games when you've only thrown the ball like 30 times, like you're as a quarterback, you're like, they don't think I'm good. They don't yeah. think I'm good. I mean, like I played sports my whole life. If I get put in the game and the coach is like, don't ever, you know, I'm thinking basketball. I played more yeah. basketball than football. If they put me in the game and the coach is like, don't ever shoot it. Like <laughs> I'm going right. to be like, all right, they think I blow. Well, like that's, that's a good point. Let me ask you this question before you finish your point. Cause you asked me this earlier and I think it's a good question. 
who is running the offense right now? Because it, it certainly, okay. yeah, it certainly has a look and feel that we've noticed and we've seen before. That's my it, question. I have it circled right here. Do you think Josh Gaddis has complete autonomy of this offense, or is Harbaugh still involved more than he leads out? Like honestly, we don't ever really get a straight answer when because yeah. it's been asked before. You know, whose offense is this? Who's calling all the plays? Like. If that's Josh Gaddis up in the booth calling all of those runs up the middle and no jet sweeps and none of this, none of that, none of this, none of that, he's the wide receivers coach, for God's sakes. You'd think he might want to get his guys involved a little bit. I don't know. Maybe it doesn't yeah. work that way. But I, I certainly think that would play a part. And I don't know. This looks a lot like things did before Josh Gaddis got there. So I, I just I always find myself wondering that, and we never really get a straight answer. Yeah, and I, and I don't think you're ever going to get a straight answer. But like you said, all you can do is just kind of look at what you're seeing. And to me, it looks like old school smash mouth football. I mean, Jesus, like, the, again, we didn't even see the jet sweeps on Saturday. Like we we saw we saw zero attempt to get that ball in the hands of the guys who are your dynamic playmakers. Like, to me, that's like that's like. In the NBA, the game's close, and you're saying, okay, we don't want to get the ball to Kobe right now. We're just going to try to figure something else out. Like, nothing makes sense about that game plan. So, to me, it looks kind of like Harbaugh's more involved in, in the offensive play calling than maybe, you know, maybe they've let on. But I don't know, man, because I, I don't know who Josh Gaddis is as a play caller. I know who he says he is, but then I also know what I see on the football field. And the two things just don't always add up. There, there's a lot. There's a lot that doesn't add up. A lot of stuff that we heard and a lot of stuff that um, people were excited about, frankly. Yeah. And it just hasn't, you know, it hasn't turned into that at all. I mean, like Michigan's a no huddle team, but they don't really speed anybody up. There's not a lot yeah. of tempo. They still run it up the middle a lot. They still don't get very creative down near the goal line. They certainly don't feature their, their most dynamic players. I mean, I just read... If, you know, if you ask the Michigan coaches or the players, name like the three fastest guys on the offense, they're standing on the sidelines. Right. AJ Henning, Roman Wilson, you know, that's probably Blake Corum. He's in a lot. He's playing running back. He's touching the ball a lot. That's fine. But some of your more dynamic, you know, game breaking type of players are are watching with their helmet in their hands. I don't yeah. I don't get it. I don't get that. It's it's the same package in different wrapping paper. That's what it looks like to me. Like they might line up differently, they might get to the line differently, they might show different formations, but generally speaking, they're doing the same exact thing. And I think <clears throat> probably what what most people walk away from Saturday concerned with is the same thing that they were concerned with Don Brown about is that at some point in the game it became clear that what you were doing wasn't working. And instead of changing it and adapting, you continue, you continue to just hammer away at it. And that's just, that's not a winning formula. We've seen that on the defensive side. This time we saw it on the offensive side. And, and, and now you have to be a little bit worried. Actually, I just, I just thought of it. I'm like, I was trying to think, I was like, man, I felt like Michigan had more speed at receiver. I felt like it was always three or four guys I named. One of them was Giles Jackson. He's playing for Washington now. I know Michigan fans don't like that guy very much, but the dude was fast and he made some plays at Michigan. And Henning was supposed to be, at least for me, the guy that stepped in and you didn't miss a beat. Right. And and now he's getting like five snaps every Saturday. And Mikey Sainer still is not slow. He's quick. He's, he's really quick in short space. He's not a burner, maybe deep as much as the other two, but he's got a lot of moves on top of moves. He could do a lot. He was a talented, versatile guy in high school. He's not touching the ball. He played more snaps yesterday. Not a lot, but, and then, I mean, shoot, man, even the guys who are on the field a ton, they barely touched the ball. 
So you've got Cornelius Johnson and Dalen Baldwin out there, big body guys. Cornelius Johnson, man, I saw that stat. I don't know if you saw that on his long touchdown run. He joined the 22 mile an hour club for college football. It's only like I did a see, handful yeah. of guys. I did see that. Who yeah. can go, man? He can go. And, and he's touching the ball once or twice a game. It's just, it's puzzling. It is. Yeah. Well, oh, let, I don't even want to bring this up. Somebody oh in the comments said the X word. Oh, geez. Xavier Worthy. Do I even want to say it? Yeah, yeah, let's not let's not go there. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll say really. this about Xavier. If if you know, if you're a Michigan fan, just go look at what he's doing down in Texas. He's he's as good as advertised. You can watch his highlights. He's he's reeling in the catches and he's putting up the yards. Um, I mean, Texas it, doesn't beat the world up either. It, they did right, yesterday, but he but, he's yeah. a good player and he's certainly offense that being Michigan looked like they were missing. Right. So here's here's I guess what I'll end on on this topic is that um, Michigan just. I don't want it to come off as like we're saying that the program is in big, big trouble. But again, when, when your team is in a situation where it's clear to everybody watching that something isn't working, you can't help but be concerned when the people calling the shots aren't noticing the same thing or are noticing it and simply just aren't changing course. And that's something that they has really tripped up this team for a long time is that they have been talented, but the coaches haven't been putting the players in a position to, to succeed and to utilize all of that tremendous talent that they have. We said it with guys like uh, Henning, Roman Wilson, all of that speed you have at the receiver position to only attempt to throw the ball five times in a one possession game in the second half, especially when you're opening big 10 play against the most inferior opponent you're going to see for the remainder of the year, with the exception of possibly Northwestern, there was nothing that was acceptable about the way that game was called. And I, I think people should be asking questions. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think there are a lot of questions. I'll, I'll throw this comment up because th this is, um, I don't ever like to dump on the players too much, to be honest. I mean, like, you know, the yeah. coaches, you know, Cade and, and Jim Harbaugh said this at the presser. He didn't use Cade's name, but he said, you know, that second down play in the end zone, we got to hit that. And you yeah. do. He missed you got to hit that. You got to hit that. He wasn't, you know, and I said that, I think it was after the Washington game or maybe it was NIU. I don't remember at this point. I said, all right, they ran the ball amazingly, but it doesn't matter. That stat line of completing less than 50% of your passes and not throwing a touchdown in less than right. 100 yards or whatever it was, that's not good. Right. So, I, well, I just, and the thing is, at one in at one out of five, I don't even know if Cade had enough opportunity to be bad in the game. That's the thing is like, if, if it was 25, 30 attempts and Michigan still struggled, then, then you kind of yeah. understand, you know, you, you get what's going on there, but he's not throwing the ball enough. So I can't put it on Cade too much because to me, it's more of a coaching issue. Yeah. I agree. I agree 100%. I mean, when these when these same issues are here again, and they were here right. last year, and they were here the year before that, and they were here the year before that, that's not Cade. How long has I'm Cade sorry, been in the not. system? Yeah. Three that's, years? That's not that's not Cade's fault. And so, and I also just don't, I don't, I don't think you need to go at a player like that, especially right. college players. I just don't think it's quite, like, look, I don't have any problem saying Cade McNamara missed that throw. On, I mean, he did. It's it's you you watched it that's a fact i'm right. not piling on him i think when you start to really get into the criticism of the program and what's not working and why things look the way they look that is on the coaches i mean the players yeah. especially in college way more than in the nfl 
they they fall in line and they do what they're told to do and they run the plays that they're that are called and they don't have a lot of freedom to change things at the line like you know i mean they're not out there doing six eight ten different audible calls and check into this and that like Peyton manning did they're not doing that they go out there i don't there, think they only wanted to throw the ball five times in the there's second no half. way and you know right. i don't even you know i don't i don't know for sure if if Cade first year as a starter you know, kind of getting it figured out. Hasn't been great throwing the ball yet. I don't know if he even has the power to check run to pass or pass. I don't know. I, I don't yeah. know if they would tell us that or not. It doesn't look like it. They go up to the line, they get under center, then they step back and look over to the sidelines and then they go. So they either keep it or they change it at that point. That's not Cade doing that. That's that's yeah. all coming from, from Gaddis in the box down to the sideline to the signal guys with the cards, and then you run what's called. Right, and that's and that's I want to make sure that people understand that distinction. When I say things like one for five in the, in the second half for seven yards, that's not a knock on Cade. That is a knock on the play calling and what they're asking him to do. And so, yeah, it, to me, it is a coaching issue. It's not a Cade McNamara issue. Now, there might be an issue with Cade McNamara if they give him the opportunity to go sling the ball around and you find out, okay, we're giving this guy plenty of you know ample opportunity and he's not able to move the ball, but he wasn't even given that opportunity on Saturday. So my fear is that Michigan is going to get in a situation like Madison where they're going to say, okay, we need you to be that guy. And he's going to have to try to be that guy for the first time all year in one of the toughest environments in all of college football. Yeah. I think I had a tweet. I think it was the Washington game where I said like Cade McNamara is four for 11 for 41 yards. And one of those plays was for 30, you know, some, whatever yeah. the stat yeah. line was, it was really bad. It was really low, really. And then my last thing on the tweet was this, this tweet is not about Cade. Like it's, right. it's, it's really not. I mean, like, has he missed some throws? Sure. Yes. Every quarterback misses some throws. Have there been a couple ones that were pretty easy and he definitely should have hit? Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that, but I think the overlying issue, the bigger problem, the bigger issue is with the way it's being called and the way it's being the, what's being asked of Cade rather than, and that right. again, it stems back to the problem I've had with Jim Harbaugh and his, his uh his staffs for a long time i just don't think they do a very good job of putting guys in a position to succeed we're finally seeing it with aiden hutchinson this year yeah Where the hell, what, like what you're telling me just now he's capable of doing this stuff no he well, was being asked to do a bunch of crap before that he shouldn't have been doing same with rashawn gary same with uh donovan people's jones same with nico collins same with i mean you can make a pretty long list of guys who yeah. probably are better than what they looked like at Michigan. well and and Chris, you know, I, another one. I don't even know if I want to bring this up, but I am going to bring it up just because it needs to be said that, um, you know, and, and I'm not I'm not trying to carry water for Rain or Saban. I don't know the guy. I've never met the guy. But, you know, people have been shitting on this guy for what? For what feels like weeks now. And a minute. I get he asked a, a very long winded question. And for anybody who's ever been at a press conference and you ask, even sometimes on this podcast, I'm sure people can tell out there, there are literally times where I go to talk and I forget what it is <laughs> I'm going to say. And I just keep talking until I eventually find so you get end. back around. To right. it. Yeah. And so, you know, poor guy, you know, this is, I know this is what happens, but the question he asked, and I think the way, what he was trying to ask is legitimate. It took him a half an hour to get there. It took him a half an hour to get there, just like it's taken me to get to the point I'm trying to make now. (laughs) But the bottom line is when you go out and you throw the ball five times in the second half of a tightly contested game, and you're a top flight receiver looking at the university of Michigan, you're probably thinking like, damn, like, are they going to even get the ball in my hands? Like, am I even going to be on the field to be able to make a play? So I do think 
from a recruiting standpoint, when you see something like what you saw on Saturday, that that's a legitimate question to ask. When when you're when the game is tight and you need to move the ball and you're not getting the ball to your receivers, do you think that has an impact on the recruiting trail? That is a fair question. Hundred percent. It hundred percent does, and it hundred percent needs to be addressed and asked, and it's a hundred percent fair. So all of you dicks out there, especially the guys who don't ask questions at press conferences, like <laughs> you know, I get it's fun to pile on everybody on Twitter, but we see you. You know, we we, we know who you are. We know what yeah. you're doing. I, I mean, I'll admit I don't ask a ton, but I ask some stuff, and I feel like I ask good. Neither questions do I, and, but I don't. I don't shit on people either when they, when they hey, struggle, and that's I, that's the difference. There is a dis, there is a distinct uh, distinct difference in doing that. Yeah, I mean, yep. like. Again, yeah, it took him a while to get there, and he said you know a bunch of times, and he was kind of fumbling around, but whatever, man. His question was basically, do you think there's a problem with recruiting skill positions at receiver and quarterback when you're playing offense like this? Seems like a a fair question. question. It's a valid question. You bring a five-star receiver to that. I mean, there was one. Jalen Brown, a 2023 five-star kid, was at the Washington game. I don't think he's knocking down the door to play receiver in that offense. I mean, you know. Keep it real, ask man. Let's call ask yourself. If you're a person out there, ask yourself. If you're if you're an elite receiver, you're a four or five star guy. You want to go to college and you want to put your yourself on the map and try to make it to the league. Is what you're seeing from Michigan enough to want to get you there? And you can fool yourself and, and talk about academics and facilities and all that stuff. But at Guess the end of what? the day, these guys want the ball on Saturday. That's what yeah. they want. Guess what? Just about everywhere else, they ain't going there to play school. And everybody's yep. got a badass locker room. Yep. That's it. That's it. I mean, I'm telling you, man, it's a valid question. And it's something that, uh, you know, Michigan's recruit, they're always going to recruit well. I mean, like you came out of that game this weekend with a lot of question marks and it, not a very, not looking very impressive. And Michigan gets a commitment, you know, from Deuce Spurlock, a kid who, an Alabama yep. kid who just picked up an offer from Auburn like the day before he got to Michigan for his official visit told our guy, John Garcia, the recruiting director at Sports Illustrated, that he was going to take a while because he wanted to really check out Auburn and really see what was out there, and then he commits today. I mean, like, you know, Michigan can recruit. They've always been able to recruit. They're always going to be able to recruit. But it's a valid question. When you look at skill guys and guys who want to catch the ball and, you know, you know, put up, a, you know, put up 80 catches on a year and score double digit touchdowns. That ain't happening right, right because, now. Because the, the harsh reality is to get to where Michigan wants to get, they're going to have to beat guys like that. And so yeah. you need, you need them on your roster. And that's, you know, and even going back to what Weiss said during the off season, you know, he said, we don't need Cade to be this type of guy. Well, another harsh reality at some point you are going to need it. And, and there you are not going to get through the big 10 schedule without needing Cade McNamara to win you a football game. And based on what we saw on Saturday, not sure that it's in there. Yeah. We said a lot for number 14, Going to oh, wait, other way. There we go. Damn, there looking is. at the screen is weird. Everything's backwards. Going to Madison. We'll, we'll be, be in Madison there. eating cheese. I'm, ex- I'm excited as hell to, to check that out. I've yeah, actually dude. been there one time. Um, Michael Spath and I went and checked out. We had a potential that we were looking to maybe get in the Wisconsin market. We thought we might wow. be in line to do some stuff with the rival site back in the day, several years ago now. Um, but we went to a practice. I think it might have been a spring practice for at Camp Randall. And again, it was that was something we weren't used to. Two guys covering Michigan. What? You can just go to spring ball and watch the practice? Yeah. Sweet. Let's do it. So it was a really cool venue. It looked awesome there. Then I can't wait to see what it's like on Saturday with the jump around going and just, you know, so it's going to be a little sleepy. 11 o'clock kickoff for our time here. 
Eastern Standard, but yeah. still should be a really good time. A it's big, a huge game. Big, big game for the university. It's a huge game. Michigan, uh, Wisconsin is one and two, but it's still a. It's still I don't a think they've got anything to lose, man. They're at home. They've got two losses now. You know, you got Michigan coming in. If you can knock them off, you can make a lot of people not so pissed off. <laughs> not so pissed medicine, off. There you go. Medicine. There you go. That's, That's the job as a coach. Just make yeah. the people not so pissed off. Is that not so, so hard? I don't think so. All right. We'll be back on Wednesday. Get a little day off tomorrow, but we'll still be putting some content out. Check it out. WolverineDigest.com. Chris and I will be back on Wednesday as we get through this week of pressers. Aaron for Wisconsin. Thanks for listening, everybody.